What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 189. I am your host, Armand Lee. Man, it's almost summer in this city. Hopefully you guys are safe, uh, planning your PTOs. Man, after, after the year and a half that we have all dealt with, man, if you are safe and if you are comfortable, I hope you all enjoy this time that you have with yourselves or your family. Make the most of it. And shout out to all the mothers. I'm a week late. But shout out to all the mothers out there, listeners as well. Appreciate you. And hey, as a late belated gift, I have a phenomenal show for you all in store. We're talking basketball, boxing, and everything in between. This past Saturday night, Canelo Alvarez. I'm talking about, man. He put on a show ending the night. By breaking a man's orbital bone. I just, <laughs> there's nothing more you can say. But it's what happened after the show, after the fight, that has me thinking about what's next for the boxing's cash cow. We're going to break that down. All of that. Plus, Carl Anthony Towns is a phenomenal player. And Lord knows we all sympathize with what he has had to endure these past 16 months or so. But when it comes to the basketball court, outside of X's and O's of production, man. It's starting to feel like he's leaving a lot to be desired. All of that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. Each show, and I really mean it. I hope you guys understand it. But each show, I start off with a little really quick kind of preview of what's on the show. But I always want to make sure I thank you all for listening to me, man. This is... It's so small to do, but it means so much. I really do mean that. And I'm not brown nose. I'm not kissing ass. I'm just being dead ass right now because it really feels as if on a larger scale, the sports in which interest me, and not necessarily the sports, but how it's presented, I feel as if I'm in the vast minority. And this show is literally built around the sports discussion Um whether it's serious or joking or and everything that falls in between. This show is built around the type of sports show that I wish I could get. You feel me? Like consistently. Now there are and this is not to say this is not a inflated view of myself or anything like that, but you know, there's a lot of shows out there who there are a lot of NFL shows. You can get all types of NFL shows, NFL discussions, NFL podcasts, but for someone who does not live and eat and breathe NFL football, right? It doesn't feel like we have that. Definitely not in boxing. And we're going to talk about that in, in the second quarter. But not in the NBA either. Where you have these shows about, man, you need a dog, ring culture, PPG, buckets, blah, 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 and all that. And then you have the shows where it's, your head is all the way inside numbers and numbers sometimes that don't even work together. And very rarely do you have any kind of comedic insights to either into the, the, the number based shows. And I was just, you know, and, and, and this is all on my mind right now because of basically the infatuation of discrediting players. We're going to talk about Russell Westbrook a little bit later in the show. And I really didn't want to, because I talked about Russ uh, through the lens of the John Wall trade a few weeks back. 
But I do think it's, a, it's appropriate to discuss him as a full figure, the way we kind of did last week with Carmelo. But this first quarter is about Nikola Jokic. And I just do not understand where or how people can muster up any type of slander. There's a guy who I used to, I don't want to say that. There's a guy who I used to appreciate a little bit more, and he's on television. And I used to name him. Y'all know the rules on the show. If I say your name, that means I appreciate you, I respect you. And like, even if I'm criticizing something you're doing, it's out of love. He is now morphed into someone whose name I don't even feel comfortable saying anymore. And I only don't say people's names because I don't want to then uh, give them more exposure for people to kind of feel the frustration that I do. This guy has been going on for like weeks now, this onslaught about Nikola Jokic. I just don't understand. And this is one of the reasons why when it comes to like the, the shows that are built around numbers, there's such a lack of consistency. You understand? Like you don't have to like whatever advanced statistic that I choose to like. But if you just start picking and choosing whichever advanced stat that you want just to better your argument at the time. Well, then I'm looking at you like, well, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Imagine being a scientist and using and doing all this data and doing all these experiments, but only picking and choosing the positive uh, results from those experiments to to further your point while then ignoring and tossing out all of the negative results of those that of those experiments. Right. That that hurts your argument. Nobody's going to listen to you. So this guy is on television for the last five, six, seven years, talking about how these stats tell you that LeBron James is the best player of all time. This is not a discussion about LeBron. Y'all know how I feel about that. But if you're going to use those numbers to support your argument for LeBron, how can you then ignore those same very statistics, those same metrics, when it comes to Nikola Jokic for this season? It doesn't make any sense. There was an argument two months ago that Nikola Jokic was not the MVP. I came on here, told you how I felt about James Harden. A lot of people felt that way about Joel Embiid. There was even a case for LeBron, though I didn't think it was that strong. I think Rudy Gobert has a has a legit chance. Or not a chance. He doesn't have he has zero chance. But he has a legit argument. But we all know Rudy Gobert's not gonna win MVP. We get that. But like two, two and a half months ago, there was a debate. There was a real honest debate. And what happened? James Harden went down. Joel Embiid went down. LeBron went down. And Nikola Jokic has consistently dominated. This is not a hard discussion. And I really, this isn't even about the MVP award. We can have and we've had in the past discussions about how it's, how it's decided, the process, and all of that. And we don't need to regurgitate that, at least not right now. Nikola Jokic... I believe will win the MVP, and I don't really think it will be that close, honestly. But my issue, and this is going to be where we kind of sell in for the rest of this quarter. What is it about Nikola Jokic that turns so many people off? I don't get it. I'm reminded of three years ago when 
Nikola Jokic resigned in Denver, Denver, and I believe he resigned the same day that Devin Booker resigned to a super max contract. I believe it was. Well, it wasn't a super max, but a maximum contract extension. And people were looking at Denver like, "What?" I remember being on my timeline, befuddled at the number of people, even people, again, who get paid a large sum of money to talk about the NBA, who have who have these huge platforms. People were looking at the, 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 the people were looking at the Denver Nuggets. Easy for me to say. Questioning why they would pay Nikola Jokic that much money. And this is not a knock on Devin Booker, but of those two players, one guy is clearly better, clearly worth the money, and it ain't the guy in Phoenix. But everybody focused in and zoned in on Jokic. And I was just like, how? How is this a thing? And what is it about Nikola Jokic that makes people... And, and, and you know, so then I started thinking, okay, well, maybe it's his size. Right? He doesn't look... You know, he's got the... He's a chubby dude and, you know, he's got the pasty look. He's not tan or anything like that. And maybe it's that. And then I remember, hold on, well, Zach Randolph was like an icon. Dad bod icon. So was Marcus Saul for that matter. And those dudes died. They had a run. Shout out to the Memphis Grizzlies, the We Don't Bluff Grizzlies, man. So it couldn't have been that, right? It couldn't have just been his size. What is it? I get why people don't like Rudy Gobert, though. It, well, I don't really get it, but I've understood a lot of it, right? Rudy Gobert will say things in the media. Again, I'm, I'm reminded of what he said, I guess. To um, oh man, her name is, is Taylor Rooks, right? He he took a shot at Taylor Rooks, not a like a shot, like a negative one. He shot a shot, right? Do you wear makeup? And it was lame, and it was posted, and he didn't do it privately. It was it was wild, right? He just jumped in her mentions. Everybody saw it. It's funny because dog, what are you doing, right? He ain't the only one probably who's trying to jump at uh, a sideline reporter, whether it's Taylor or someone else. But he just didn't do it in private. He also, last year, he did the whole COVID thing of touching the mics. And people wanted to vilify him for that. Despite the fact that some of y'all mamas are out here in the mix. Going to clubs. Going to Olive Garden. Not wearing masks. You feel me? It's easy to point the finger at someone else with things that they are doing. While ignoring what may be happening closer to home. I digress. We're not, we don't have to do that. I'm not holding up a mirror. So though Rudy Gobert is a phenomenal basketball player, and again, he's more of a defensive guy, and there's a lack of appreciation to what he does because uh, he doesn't score a lot of points, I can understand. I can, I, the rationale for the dislike of Rudy Gobert makes more sense than it does for Nikola Jokic. I don't get why. We saw Nikola Jokic bust Anthony Davis' ass in the Western Conference Finals last year. We've seen Nikola Jokic literally... People thought that the Nuggets were going to fall off a cliff when Jamal Murray got hurt. They've played better. Michael Porter Jr. is this anti-mask, anti-vaxxer. All this stuff, he starts off the season very slow. Doesn't matter. Nikola Jokic carried the load. This guy is doing so much for his team. So much for his team. There is no argument. If you watch the sport, I don't get how you can look at his play and, again, remove the MVP discussion for a second. 
it's just a, an unreasonable level of criticism for a guy of his stature. So now that he's about to become an MVP in my estimation, because he's endured this weird Frankenstein type of season and he has led his team to a, a, a very strong record. Hey, look around, guys. You can say, hey, well, Denver, people thought Denver was going to be a one or a two seed. I don't know if you guys have paid attention, but look at the teams who went to the conference championship or beyond last year. Just look at them. We have the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron is complaining about the playing tournament. We have the Miami Heat, who are a sixth seed. We have the Boston Celtics, who at any point in time look like they don't even want to play basketball anymore. And then you have the Denver Nuggets. So of the four teams who went to the conference championship last year, the only one who's having a significant strong season is the Nuggets. And I hear you guys say, hey, well, the Lakers had the injuries, and they did. But most of y'all battles would have told me that Anthony Davis is better than Nikola Jokic. When Anthony Davis is playing and LeBron is not, what are the Lakers? Because we have seen what the Nuggets are without Jamal Murray. And no, Jamal Murray is not LeBron. But if Anthony Davis is better than Nikola Jokic, then we got some explaining to do. Somebody's got some explaining to do. Because if the Los Angeles Lakers had the record of the, uh, of the Denver Nuggets, despite the fact of LeBron's injuries, then I guarantee you that same guy who's on television will be telling you why Anthony Davis should be the league MVP. Like, if everything was flipped, I promise you he would come out of his mouth to tell you that Anthony Davis should be the MVP. Not this whole mess of, oh, Nikola Jokic would be the worst MVP in decades. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. I just, and there are minions out there, and I don't need to be, I, this is on my, this is on me. I don't need to be following people who, and I don't. I stopped following Buddy, who, who, who does this talking around the Super Bowl, and you don't, I think a lot of you guys probably can deduce what I'm talking about. Actually, it was a little bit before the Super Bowl, um, and, you know, there are a lot of people who just like to echo certain things that they see and hear on television. That's fine. Whatever. I'm not knocking anybody. You like it. I love it. But the fact of the matter is that's on me for even giving any of that attention. But this quarter is more than just one person's kind of negative remarks on Jokic. I feel like we don't fully appreciate this dude. And I don't know if it's because he plays in Denver. Though we were, we were, we, we were able to appreciate Kawhi in San Antonio. I, got to, I, I personally have a hard time always leaning on the small market, the NBA. Like, people don't appreciate small markets. And I do think that the league does a really bad job of highlighting their stars in markets that aren't New York, Chicago, L.A., Boston, and Philly. Like, we do a really bad job, even with Giannis. And I think Giannis probably did it the best. They were, they, they were able to market Giannis the best post uh, Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City. But outside of that, we are, like, if you only pay attention to the big markets, you are missing out on so much because Nikola Jokic is a phenomenal basketball player, even when he was out of shape. Then he lost weight last year, and he, some, and he got better. He got better. 
So now let's bring it back to the MVP discussion. I love Chris Paul. Chris Paul is a phenomenal basketball player. He's a phenomenal basketball player. Like It was silly when people thought that he was washed. It's silly that the Thunder traded him for a first-round pick. Again, we could go back to that. Sam Presti talk. There are people who feel that Chris Paul should be an MVP. And you traded him in his, what, last year of his contract for a first-round pick? Okay. <laughs> okay. But I digress. I have nothing against Chris Paul. Chris Paul is not the best player in this league. He's not the most valuable. You can make a case. He has a great argument because everywhere he goes, the wins follow. But this isn't new. It's been the case. Y'all just haven't been paying attention. It was happened last year. It happened the year before. And then two years and three years before that. And it's time with the Clippers. It always happens with Chris Paul. You can't reward somebody because of the story. Chris Paul is a phenomenal player. Chris Paul's not close to be better than Nikola Jokic. What are we talking about? Nikola Jokic is having a historical season. A historical season. And honestly, had Joel and B not been hurt, I would say Nikola Jokic deserves it more than him. The only person this season who I would say has a stronger case had they stayed healthy would have been James Harden. He's the only guy. And I've talked about that last week, so I'm not going to regurgitate any of that those talking points. The fact of the matter is, because Nikola Jokic has been healthy and he's played at this level, I don't see how you give it to anyone outside of him. And this, coming, this is coming from someone who loves Chris Paul. Someone who figured that Chris Paul would help the Suns immensely. Not to this degree, but still at a very high level. I knew he was going to increase the Suns' wins total because of the player that he is. Because he always does it. But let's not get lost into why Chris Paul shouldn't win it. Let's focus on why so many people have this bad taste when it comes to Nikola Jokic. Because at what point do we just stop and say, you know what? He's a phenomenal player. Because no matter who it is, as the generations change, right? This was the same talking points that we gave LeBron and Kevin Garnett before him. The Nuggets aren't this great team, a collection of great players. They're not. The reason that they're this good is because of Nikola Jokic. Jamal Murray had a phenomenal run in the bubble. And then he came back into the regular season this year and went back to kind of sometimes he's really good and sometimes he's the invisible man. The steady presence for the Nuggets has always been Jokic. Always. And the fact that people somehow, for whatever reason, don't want to acknowledge that, you may not like his game. And that's the thing. I don't even know why you wouldn't like this game. Some people don't appreciate defense, so you won't like Rudy Gobert. Some people don't feel that getting alley-oops and being an amazing screen setter and rim runner is somehow a talent. You guys probably have never played competitive basketball, but whatever. I can I can wrap my mind around that because we have been conditioned to think the best players are the guys who have the ball in their hands. And though that's a flawed way of looking at the NBA, that's the way we've all grown into becoming fans. Unless you're, like, you're a son of a coach or a daughter of a coach or something along those lines. But even if that's the way you still view watching basketball, well, guess what? Nikola Jokic has the ball in his hands. He's a phenomenal passer, phenomenal shooter, 
rebounder. He is the life force behind his team. So how, how can anyone who reasonably watches basketball and engages in the sport of the National Basketball Association be critical of him this season, this year, after what his team went through last year with the short offseason the whole nine? If not Jokic, who? I would love to hear a response to that. Email me your responses at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet them at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, guys, we are going to step inside the squared circle because it was a huge fight night. The crowd was phenomenal and they were packed at AT&T Stadium, a.k.a. Jerry World, this Saturday night for the sport's biggest star. And man, he did not disappoint. But it's what happened after the fireworks inside the ring that has me thinking. It's our second topic this week. Second quarter. It's very important for me that everyone who listens to this show understands that I'm not trying to change anyone's perspective, anyone's thoughts, anyone's feelings on any particular topic. I like to think that we can all come for 90 minutes or so and sit down and have engaging conversations about things that you may not even know interest you. I try to stay away from the embrace debate topics, the the same talking points that all the morning shows discuss over and over again. But I also try to find new and maybe interesting ways to kind of appeal to larger topics, right? To, so where you don't have to be an NBA fan to maybe consider, hmm, it is interesting the way we uh, talk about this player as opposed to this other player and how bias kind of seeps into a discussion. Or if you're a football player, for instance, or maybe let's take sports out of the equation. Maybe you have an interest in technology. And then you think about, hey, hold on, man, this this. This new app that I have, while very convenient, it does kind of infringe on my privacy. I like to talk about certain topics that make you think beyond the realm of that particular sport, that particular uh, focus. I say all of that to say, y'all know I'm a huge boxing fan. Boxing is my second favorite sport. And I appreciate those of you. First off, shout out to the Ireland, the Irish listeners. Man, y'all hold me down something serious. Last two months... Uh, the Ireland downloads have been the highest ever. So I want to shout you guys out. I want to shout out Mexico. Mexico listeners have been up recently. I appreciate you and shout out to the UK. You guys have consistently held me down. I appreciate the boxing fans out there, the boxing community. I love y'all. But when I talk about boxing, it's not to always to, you know, gain fans, right? I think, I hope, the, the goal is to talk about topics that you may not even be a fan of, but I can do it in a way that interests you and that piques your interest and makes you think, hmm, that's interesting. And maybe you don't ever watch a, a fight. Maybe you were just completely off on boxing, and that's cool. I'm not trying to change anyone's opinion. But I just want to get people to think. And that's a whole long way to get to the point of this quarter. A few weeks ago, I talked about Demetrius Andrade. 
it's a boxer who fights for the zone and someone who's been trying to get the attention of Canelo Alvarez and everyone pretty much anywhere close to that weight, anywhere close to 170, is trying to get the attention of Canelo Alvarez because he is the cash cow of the sport. I can't overstate that enough. And that's one of the reasons why last week I was so upset about how ESPN and Fox and some of the other major networks, how they went head over heels on Floyd Mayweather versus uh, Jake Paul. When you have, this isn't even an argument. This is a fact. One of the biggest athletes in North America, in the continent, one of the biggest and most bankable, viable athletes on this continent performing. They had an indoor arena record at the tail end of a pandemic. Over 70,000 human beings packed into AT&T Stadium to watch Canelo Alvarez fight. That's an indoor boxing record. He did it. You have two countries, two countries, Mexico and England, showing up and showing out in America to watch him, and he put on a fucking performance. Now, look, man, we've got some uh, <laughs> some past dealings with the zone. Shout out to the zone, I love him. So, just in the in the in the you know, just the being forthcoming in the interest of. Full transparency, you know, I rock with the zone, okay? I rock with them hard. But that doesn't prevent me from saying, yo, there still needs to be something done with that telecast, that broadcast. And I'll leave it there. But if you watch that fight, you understand how the announcers made that fight versus Billy Joe Saunders and Canelo Alvarez they made that fight seem closer than it really was. That fight was not close. And I think both, all three judges, two judges had it six rounds to two for Canelo. One judge had it five rounds to three. I've only watched that fight once. At the time, I thought it was six to two, a four-point advantage for Canelo. I have no issues with the five to three. For those of y'all who thought that fight was a draw at the time of the stoppage, and Chris Mannix, who I respect, who had Billy Joe Saunders winning that fight at the time of the stoppage, I have no idea what you were watching. Canelo Alvarez is only 30 years old. He's been fighting for a decade. This guy is, he's as in the zone of a boxer that a boxer can be in this day and age. He's just a phenomenal fighter. He's smart. He's quick. He's athletic. And if you thought he didn't still have the power, he broke a man's orbital bone, knew it, started celebrating in the ring while he's fighting a guy. And then when the corner, when he went to the corner, when the round was over, he didn't sit down on the stool, told his trainer, he's not coming out. I felt him. I felt me break his face. This is what we're talking about. So for everyone, and again, I'm not trying to change anyone's opinion on the sport. If you've made up your mind about boxing, God bless you. But for anyone who allowed Floyd Mayweather to usurp the sport, and it's a lot of people who factored into that, a lot of networks factored into that. Don't think that boxing is just guys like Floyd. There are phenomenal like, strategic fighters, guys who do not like to exchange, intelligent fighters who do not like to exchange and do not have power. 
If you want to watch those fights, hell, the the second fight on the uh, the main event card was a fight that went the distance that was not very appealing um, on the card on Saturday night. So if you want to see that, you can see that. But make no mistake, we have absolute exciting fighters, top to bottom, no matter the, the weight class, no matter the network, no matter the trainer. We have it. And Canelo is at the top, the absolute top of that list. There's just no one better than him right now. And we all know that, including his rivals. In fact, I'm not even going to say rivals because that's not fair, including the people who are trying desperately to get his attention. Now, there's a, a, a large way to go about getting Canelo Alvarez's attention. Caleb Plant, he has a belt. So Canelo has made no mistake. He's made it perfectly clear. He wants to unify. Super middleweight. He wants it. And he's going about doing it. He's got one title left in the sights. And Caleb Plant, you know, God bless him. Talented guy. He's not Callum Smith. He's not Billy Joe Saunders. We saw what Canelo has done versus the top guys recently. He puts them down, man. You can try to be slick like Billy Joe Saunders and you try to stick and move and you get caught with one punch and you're done. Billy Joe Saunders used to make fun of fighters. Used to make fun of fighters for stopping, saying that he would rather die than quit. And this motherfucker, in the largest fight that he will ever see, will be remembered as the guy who quit on his stool. Where so many people will say he was doing well. I didn't think, I mean, I thought he was doing well relative to expectations. But some people would be out here saying that, yo, I thought he was winning the fight. That's nuts. But he's going to have to live with that. And I'm not making fun of anybody for stopping because you're orbital bone broke. But don't run around faking like you're the toughest guy in the world. We've seen Kel Brook fight Gennady Golovkin. Two weight classes above his natural weight. And was winning that round at least. Many people feel he was winning that fight. He was up on some of the judges' cards. And in the midst of fighting, throwing punches, exchanging with Gennady Golovkin. With the broken orbital bone. His corner threw in the towel. Billy Joe Steiner stood on his stool. But this is not about Billy Joe Saunders. In fact, this really isn't even about Canelo Alvarez. This is about the gravity. People seeing the lottery ticket and doing whatever they can to hit a lick. Case in point, Demetrius Andre. Talked about him a few weeks ago. Remember? And you don't have to be a boxing fan to understand this. Demetrius Andre had an opportunity. He had an opportunity. The whole day was his. The biggest boxing fight of the of the weekend was him. And it's also not lost upon me that his network, the zone, didn't think much of him, right? Because they didn't put him on at night. They had him fighting at the Hard Rock Cafe in Orlando, fucking Florida, during the afternoon. But regardless, this was an opportunity for him to show the world that he deserves a fight versus Canelo Alvarez. This was an opportunity for Demetrius Andre. All the talking, after all the talking, after all the trolling, after all the interviews, after all of calling Canelo out, this was an opportunity for you to knock some dude out, 
put on your best performance, show the world you deserve to be next, and then call out Canelo Alvarez, the biggest fighter in the sport, one of the biggest athletes on this continent. There isn't a baseball player alive more popular than Canelo Alvarez in North America. It's not. And we can go up the list. They're football players, not as big as Canelo Alvarez. Not even going to talk about like when I talk about the big one of the biggest stars on this continent. Understand, I ain't talking about like top 100, top 50. We talk about top 20. He's that big. He sold out Jerry World, bro. So Demetrius Andre has an opportunity a few weeks ago. Talked about it here on the podcast. I'm not going to stay on it too long. And he failed. He won the fight. It was unimpressive. He looked awful. He struggled after the fifth or sixth round. He was getting touched. He got his face cut up, nicked up versus a guy who's not a big-time puncher. And all this slick talking. He's his athlete. He's throwing these Ryu uppercuts from Street Fighter 2. But he dropped the guy one time, and that was it. And we know Canelo has the chin. So you can't put down Buddy, and you want to go up against the top dog? And here's the thing, because at the time I talked about the psychology of a boxer. Demetrius Andre, obviously a confident guy, and you got to be confident to be an undefeated champion. But after that fight, he knew he, he that was not what he needed. He knew it was a disappointing effort. And you want to know why he knew? Because he didn't say Canelo Alvarez's name once. Not only did he not say it, none of the announcers, not even Eddie Hearn, his promoter. They were like, nah, bro, chill. Fast forward to Saturday night. Canelo Alvarez stops Billy Joe Saunders, makes him quit. Knew he broke a bone in his face, was talking shit for the rest of the round. Flex with both arms while the round is still going, knowing that Billy Joe was not going to throw any more punches because he knew he had took that man's will and took partial bone structure of his face. After that, Demetrius Andre now all of a sudden wants to jump out there and speak his mind. Dog, that's the most sucky shit I could ever think of. You had your opportunity. Canelo has been perfectly clear what he is aiming for. We know Canelo's going to fight in September. We know it's going to happen. We, we know he wants to fight Caleb Plant. I don't know if Caleb Plant wants it, which, which should speak volumes to the fighter he is. Not the, of the talent, but the intestinal fortitude, the biggest draw. The biggest payday Caleb Plant will ever have is knocking on his door saying, I want to fight you, and I want to fight you around Mexican Independence Day. Cinco de Mayo, Mexican Independence Day. You know those are the two fights where Canelo is going to fight around. And he's going to bring an entire country with him. A huge payday is coming, and Caleb Plant has to think about it? What does that tell you? He's good as gone. Canelo wants to unify the division, and I think that's dope of him. Canelo Alvarez has already fought, what, three times this year, four times in a this year and a half month. He's already, he's been so busy, and he looks so good, and it doesn't have, like, all these fights he's fighting, he's not even being hurt. So he has two more fights left in him this year if he wants it. The question now is, who wants to step up for him? 
Demetrius Andre feels all, you know, confident and buff now. But when he was on, and when he was in the spotlight, when all the eyes were focused on him and his performance, his silence spoke volumes. He was damaged after that fight. He is confident. He was leaking confidence and didn't even dare say Canelo Alvarez's name. But then after Canelo Alvarez's fight on Saturday, he wants to interrupt the press conference so much so that Canelo in English is shit talking him. And Canelo don't ever talk shit. It was so bad that Eddie Hearn, the promoter for Canelo and Andre, told Demetrius, go, leave. Because he knows there's not there's nothing there. You barking at the moon right now, bro. You barking at the sun. Motherfucker, you barking at the galaxy. What are you doing? Benavidez is a much better fight versus Canelo than fucking Demetrius Andre. I want to see Jamal Charlo. That's me personally. And I don't think Charlo has a chance to beat him. I think he has a better chance than fucking Andre. And I think he was a better opponent and a more fun fight for sure. But Demetrius Andre, you're... Your promotion don't even believe in you, dog. They had you fighting in the afternoon on a Saturday in fucking Orlando. Your promoter is sunning you because he's sitting right next to the cash cow. When, what are you, and, and you even know somewhere internally, there's a reason why you weren't this confident, uh, braggadocious guy after your most recent fight, there's a reason why you were scared to say his name because you knew you ain't worthy. Demetrius Andre wants attention, so he gonna get it. Demetrius Andre, Demetrius Andre, Demetrius Andre, Demetrius Andre. Get him all the attention he wants. He ain't built for this, bro. Not on this level. And that's not a knock on him because very few are. I will tell you this. I thought it was very, very interesting. That the zone took time out of their broadcast to feature the shout out Errol Spence Jr. I thought that was, I thought that spoke volumes. The only time I've seen the zone go out of their way to highlight a fighter who's not on their on the, in their stable was Tyson Fury, also on Saturday night. But Tyson Fury, if you think about it, that's a different dynamics, right? Because number one, He's friends with Billy Joe Saunders. Number two, he's the fucking heavyweight champion of the world. But number three, and most important, Tyson Fury is planning on fighting Anthony Joshua in the biggest fight in the sport. Anthony Joshua is a DAZN fighter. So yes, getting the DAZN machine behind Tyson Fury is a very, very smart thing to do. Errol Spence is not the heavyweight champion of the world. Errol Spence is not friends with Canelo Alvarez or Billy Joe Saunders. And Errol Spence is not fighting Anthony Joshua. But what if he's also about to fight one of the network's biggest stars? That made me think these Canelo Spence rumors are more than just kind of scuttlebutt. I feel like if Caleb Plant runs away from the payday, I feel... Personally, like we are going to see a Spence Canelo fight in September. I have nothing 
concrete. There's nothing that I know. I haven't talked to anybody. I haven't seen anything. That's just me doing the math, trying to figure out the variables. But I thought it was very interesting that they highlighted Spence the way they did. Maybe not in September. Maybe Spence versus Canelo will happen in December. That makes probably makes a little bit more sense. But I thought it was interesting because it wasn't like, hey, man, there's been... They took some time out to show him, had him standing up. So he knew he was going to be seen, and he's being seen in Dallas. That's not lost on me either. Errol Spence gate. He showed it. I've retweeted it on my Twitter account. Go ahead, go to Quarterly Show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E Show. His gate, his most recent fight, it drew more than Canelo did. Spence is, Spence is money. Canelo knows that. Canelo knows he's not making any money with Demetrius Andre. And he also knows he'd tear him apart. Canelo knows that he carried Billy Joe Saunders. Though Billy Joe Saunders is a Brit and there's going to be a, a, a kind of a following for him. But he also knows beating Billy Joe Saunders in 2021 eh, doesn't really do much for him. I personally would rather see Canelo fight Jamal Charlo because I think Charlo has more of a, a chance than Errol Spence. Errol Spence is my favorite fighter. I don't think he stands a chance versus Canelo. But it'd be something. It would be interesting. It would be interesting. And I was very, very surprised and intrigued when the zone threw that shout out to Spence the way they did. I don't know nothing. I'm just saying. But let's go back to the main attraction. Canelo Alvarez is a phenomenal fighter. He's a phenomenal athlete. And he's what people who don't like boxing say they want. They want action. Canelo broke a man's eye socket, bro. It broke his orbital bone and knew it the moment he did it. Can you imagine having that type of power? Being able to feel through gloves that you broke a man's orbital bone and knew it so much that you called it out. Can you imagine having that type of power? At 168 or so, however many pounds Canelo weighs now? He's not like a 240-pound man. This shit is insane. One of the reasons why I love boxing so much is because the sport is so stripped down to basically this primal kind of competition that it exposes everything. A few weeks ago, I told you how Andre's lackluster performance exposed his doubt. It exposed his lack of confidence, not only in himself, but maybe even in his position in this landscape. And you can be all blustery and, and kind of pump all that fake confidence up. And that's what he did in this post-conference, post-press conference. But that was just for fuss. Because when the all eyes were watching him, what happened? Quieter than a church mouse. But Canelo, this sport exposes him. Canelo's not the guy to jump out there. Me, 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 me. He's in this because he loves it. He's fighting more times than any top prize fighter I have seen in recent years. He's getting in there. He's had, he has a goal. He set out to get his goal. And each time he steps in the ring, man, you have it, it's must-see TV because... At any given moment, the fireworks could pop off. And man, I have not, trust me, I've been honest and been fair with my critiques on Canelo in the past. 
And whether you believe he's a clean fighter this, his entire career, or maybe he just made one mistake, there's no denying this dude, he puts up he puts up a ridiculous amount. He deals with a lot. He He's carrying the sport in many regards. But every time he steps foot in the ring, he delivers. How many athletes can you say that about? Truly. So shout out to Canelo. I'm interested in seeing what the rest of 2021 has in store. Hopefully, Twin Charlo comes in the ring. But if not, man, keep doing what you're doing. And, and talk shit to Saul at your own cost. Don't take my word for it. Just go ask Billy Joe Saunders. All right, guys, you've heard the horn. That means we are at halftime this week. We'll talk some basketball. We'll talk some boxing. So I'm feeling pretty good about where we are. Good time to kind of get some halftime adjustments and take a break, man. And for halftime this week, we are going to go to the music realm, right? Saturday, the day before Mother's Day, everybody was talking about, hey, there's a new Versus. And I've kind of fallen off on the Versus hype over the past few months. But, you know, a lot of people will fill in the SWV Versus, right? SWV, SWV one of the, the premier girl R&B groups of the 90s, right? So who would SWV be facing, right? They facing Total? No. Maybe they were facing In Vogue. Nah, Destiny's Child, nope, 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 nope. SWV got in there the day before Mother's Day versus Escape. Yes, just kicking it in my little secret Escape. No disrespect to them women, no disrespect to them. I can't name 10 Escape songs. So the fact that they went 20 rounds is something to me. But it got me thinking, man, Escape must have friends in high places because they got put on to a battle that I think it's fair to say that they probably did not have the depth to be in. How many times have that has that happened in real life where just because of your connections, you were put on to an opportunity, an opportunity that ultimately made you look like a fool. Take a listen. Hey, what's going on, Joe? Hey, quick question, bro. I have an opportunity to get a real quick game, a run on, but uh, it's with Shaq and his crew. You down to play? Bat, bat, bat. Just meet us at the gym at 10 a.m. sharp, man. It's going to be really, really fun. Yo, what's going on, man? Hey, I hope your back is feeling better from uh, Shaq dunking on you like that. But, hey, that's in the past. I got a special dope workout lined up for us. If you down. All right, so you know my man. He's a trainer. He also trains with Canelo Alvarez. So, trying to see if you want to get a little sparring session with Saul. Sound like a plan? Yo. Hey, man, your face is healing much better now, man. You, you're doing good. Just keep that ice there. You know, keep that ice there. Hey, I feel really bad. First, you're back with Shaq, then your face with Canelo. I'm here to make it up to you, man. I know you love the Fast and Furious movies, bro. My cousin is one of the stunt doubles. I know you love the cars and drive fast. They've got an opening. So, hey, man, let me know if you want to be one of the stunt doubles for the Fast and Furious 9 movie, man. They about to drive off a fucking cliff, do a backflip, and then bungee jump out of it, man. It's gonna be so dope. You down? I don't have friends. I got family. Yo, man. <laughs> no disrespect to Escape. 
they've got some joints. They got some joints, indeed, man. Little Secret is a hard song, man. Just kicking it, and then obviously all the other writing credits that Tiny and um, Candy have. So you know, shout out to them. But like, let's be serious. When when they said SWV, my mind starts going like, all right. Well, so we know nobody's gonna go with TLC. Like TLC is not. I don't necessarily know if they have a real peer in that regard. So that like that's kind of standoffish. But I'm thinking SWV, I'm like, okay, maybe in Vogue, you know what I'm saying? Maybe Total Destiny Child. Destiny Child will probably give SWV a run, but at least like, you know, that's a that's a competition. Escape. That was an escape. That's and again, no disrespect. They've got great songs. I'm not trying to diminish anybody, but like dog, we got to make sure. You know, if we are going to continue to do the verses, and again, I haven't really been paying much attention to it past last summer. But you know, Ozzy Brothers versus Earth, Wind, and Fire, that piqued my interest again. I was like, okay, that makes sense because I'm more Ozzy's, but I know a lot of people are the elements. And like, okay, bong, you have it. Escape. And it's there, like, escape. I, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, man. There was a time when I would get in the sparring ring with anybody. I'm not sparring up against a legit prize-fighting professional athlete like Canelo. You get your face knocked off. You understand? You may like to drive fast and do the little street racing and thinking, you know what I'm saying, you Dale Earnhardt Jr., whatever, whatever. Get in there and try to do one of them stunts. You had your ass falling off a cliff. You understand what I'm saying? Like, there are levels to this. Like, in boxing, they say there are weight classes for a reason. You can apply that in every facet of life. There are levels for a reason. Don't get out there thinking you can sing with Coco. Coco was faking the whole first half, apparently. And then when she got it, everybody's like, oh, man, SWV ran away with it. Because, of course, SWV was going to run away with it. Like, what are we talking about? I'm saying no disrespect. You could have got a 702 for escape. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, John A. You could have got, you know what I'm saying? Groove theory. Whatever. You wanted to do that, bong. There are people in that caliber. No disrespect, but let's just keep it funky, man. Let's just keep it funky. All right, hopefully you guys enjoyed halftime. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the show thus far, but we still got two quarters left, two quarters, and we're focusing specifically, primarily on the NBA, man. The playoffs, the play-in, whatever you want to call it, it's almost here. This is the last week of the season. Can you imagine that? And there's still so many topics that have me wondering, Particularly, what happened this season on the floor, because we could talk about personal issues, but on the floor, that as one of the most talented and productive players, looking like he has lost a step. So our third topic this week. Third quarter. Carl Anthony Towns, I think anyone with even the slightest bit of emotions, of a heart, of any type of decency, you can feel... For Carl Anthony Towns. I can only imagine how difficult this past year has been. I can only imagine how difficult this past week has been for him. And on top of loss, on top of grieving, on top of trauma, which obviously has taken place. He's also looked upon as being the franchise player, former number one overall pick. For the Minnesota Timberwolves. So he's dealing with all of these things. The loss of a mother. The loss of other family members. I think he had COVID himself. Just in losing. And then being the face. 
and I am not one to kind of um, entertain the quote unquote alpha male, like, oh, you've got to do this. You've got to make it seem like this is your team. You've got to, you know, mark your territory, blah, 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 blah. all this foolish stuff that sometimes, unfortunately, oftentimes kind of integrates itself into sports discussion. But this past week, Carl Anthony Towns is playing the Miami Heat. And again, he's caring a lot. And that's not to say that other players in this league are not. We don't know what is happening in the private lives of 95% of the NBA. We just don't. 97%. We don't know what's going on with them. And yes, to whom much is given, much is expected. Carl Anthony Towns is being paid a lot of money. That comes with being a number one overall pick. That comes with being one of the best 20 to 25 players in this league. And he is the face of the franchise for the Minnesota Timberwolves. But when I see Jimmy Butler, and we know the history between Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. When I see Jimmy Butler go after him like that, I know people who don't like Jimmy Butler because of the incident that happened in Minnesota. And this is before Carl Anthony Towns lost his mom and all the obviously tragedies that happened due to COVID. But I know a lot of people who... You know, they don't like Jimmy Butler. They, that rubbed them the wrong way. And they still feel like he's something of a bully. I don't know Jimmy, uh, clearly. I can only speak to production on the floor. And Jimmy Butler's a phenomenal player, as is Carl Anthony Towns. So when I see Jimmy Butler recently, I think it was Friday evening, going back and forth with Cat. I don't know. It bothered me a bit. Because... It feels as if there are a lot of players in this league. And I don't know how Jimmy Butler gets down. You know, I don't know if he's the type of guy to take shots at a lot of different players. I do know that Joel Embiid is as well. And Joel Embiid over the years has taken so many shots at Cat. And I've told you in the past, I think Joel is a fake tough guy. I don't think he'll pop anything. And I think at some point, Joel is going to run himself into the wrong one, thinking that he can flex and he's going to get a rude awakening. I don't know if Jimmy's that way, but I felt almost, and I don't mean this in like a disrespectful way, but I felt bad for Cat. I felt sorry for him watching what happened Friday night and seeing Jimmy Butler, a wing player, or a player who has the respect of so many in the league, just outwardly taking, going off on him. And again, the mics just picked that up. That type of stuff probably happens all the time in the league. But the fact that we only heard it and it only happened with Cat after Joel Embiid goes on and on about Cat after Jimmy Butler made it a point to embarrass Cat and Andrew Wiggins with Rachel Nichols. And man, that I felt the way. And again, I want to make sure everyone understands. I'm not one of these people who feel that Carl Anthony Towns has to do this alpha male machismo bravado type of. Rah, 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 rah. I don't. I don't feel that he don't have to do WWF for me. But when Jimmy Butler goes out of his way and calls someone a loser over and over again, calls you soft, man, and I'm one. I, I hold Carl Anthony Towns to the highest regard, but he's too good to lose like this. He's too good to consistently lose like this, and I'm starting to wonder: Is it time for a change of scenery? And full disclosure, y'all know I'm a Knicks fan, and look. If I could trade Julius Randle 
And one of these picks for Carl Anthony Towns, I do it in a heartbeat. I do it in a heartbeat. Because I, I still believe Carl Anthony Towns is a special player. Do I think Tom Thibodeau wants to coach on Carl Anthony Towns again? I don't know. Jimmy Butler has played with a lot of former players. I don't feel as if Jimmy Butler holds any of his former teammates views them with the same disdain that he does with Cat. And again, it could just be coincidence that the Mikes just picked this up. Maybe Jimmy Butler is always like this, but y'all know I don't believe in coincidence. And I, again, Friday night, it's not like I'm attacking him. I felt bad. I genuinely felt bad for Cat. And then today we see him, you know, being consoled by his father today, Sunday on Mother's Day. Excuse me. That's the time of this recording. We see Carl Anthony Towns being consoled by his pops. And of course you understand that. Of course you understand that. We all deal with loss and tragedy so differently. And I can only imagine losing a loved one last year with the foolishness that was going on in our country with our elected officials. I can only imagine. And I empathize, I sympathize with Kat. It makes me feel bad, but I also felt bad on Friday. And on Friday, maybe he was still feeling whatever was happening emotionally with his mom, but I'm watching him and I, I just feel bad. He's one of the best players in this league and I feel bad because a player significantly smaller than him in stature is bullying him. You feel me? And it wasn't and it wasn't really a bully because Cat was talking shit back. He just wasn't having it. There just wasn't any pop on his punches. So now I'm starting to wonder, am I a bad guy? Because I'm starting to think, like, is there something to this criticism of Cat? Like, is Cat built for this? Because physically, from a talent standpoint, of course he is. But I keep coming back to the same question. Like, yo, I'm not saying you gotta make the playoffs. One of my issues with the playing theory, it completely ignores the imbalance between the two conferences. The Western Conference is significantly harder than the Eastern Conference. But Carl Anthony Towns' teams are always the first ones eliminated from playoff contention in the West. I'm not saying you got to be the Phoenix Suns or the Los Angeles Clippers, but you can't be the Sacramento Kings. You can't be the San Antonio Spurs. It gets me questioning how well Carl Anthony Towns is, and I can see how productive he is. I see it. Then after the game, they're doing the post-game press conference, and Anthony Edwards, a rookie, speaks up for Carl Anthony Towns. And that's when I have to check myself, right? Because that starts to feel like, oh, who's the out? Who's the Batman? That's how, who's the Robin? That starts to feel like it's venturing off into the silly and the stupidity of NBA discussion. So I have to check myself so I don't go down that path. Because it's easy to fall into that if you're not conscious of it. But there's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of smoke. Again, God bless him. God bless his family. I hope and pray that Carl Anthony Towns is okay. And even if he's not, that he finds a way with his circle, his 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 close, his loved ones, the people he holds closest, 
that somebody is there to help him, man. Because I do not remember a time when I have felt that way, where I have literally felt that bad for a player, not because of something outside of life, but because of what was happening on the bas- on his in his field of play. It wasn't like he was fouled hard. It wasn't like, you know, someone attacked him like Monica Sellis. It wasn't anything like that. It was just playing the game, exchanging words. I felt so bad for him. And I don't ever remember feeling that way for a player of that stature, of that of that caliber. Make no mistake, Carl Anthony Towns is a phenomenal basketball player, but man, I feel as if there's not that he's lacking something. And it's not his fault. If he is, that's then incumbent on that team to build around their superstar. He is the face of that team. I know Anthony Edwards is another number one overall pick, but make no mistake, he's the face. D'Angelo Russell's on his team because his organization wanted him to feel comfortable. D'Angelo Russell's not a great, not a very good player. So if Carl Anthony Towns forced the Timberwolves' hand into trading a pick that's going to be a really, really good pick for D'Angelo Russell? Come on. Come on now. We get so caught up into wins produced and win shares and points per game and wins losses and all these other things, man. But there is a human connection here, man. There's a human element that we all know. It just cannot be quantified. And particularly people who align themselves like me, people who, uh, who use and rely heavily on advanced statistics. You cannot quantify the human element. And maybe, whether it's being soft-spoken Things that oftentimes, unfortunately, when it comes to sports, right, being sensitive, being uh, B-type personality, being someone soft-spoken, being someone thoughtful. These are things that oftentimes we look as traits of weakness when it comes to sports, because this entire foundation of what we believe in sports has been built on a bed of lies. You can be thoughtful and still be a phenomenal player. You can be sensitive and be a great player. Look at David Robinson. Look at Tim Duncan. You don't have to be a maniacal, crazed lunatic, right? And I'm not going to name any players, but y'all know the ones who are like a maniac when it comes to win losses and obsessive even. You don't, I don't feel like you have to be obsessive to be great. I don't. Maybe you have to be obsessive to be considered the greatest, to be considered an icon, but to be considered great, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. That's at least what I want to believe. Carl Anthony Towns has all the tools in the world. Carl Anthony Towns is already one of the best players in this league. But there's something not clicking there. And it can't just be the Timberwolves. It just can't be the Timberwolves. Because if that's the case, then Jimmy Butler is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. If Jimmy Butler can just go to the Timberwolves one year and they go to the playoffs and then he leaves and they fall off a cliff, well, then damn it, Jimmy Butler is even greater than I think he is. And I think Jimmy Butler is really, really great. But maybe we're looking at the wrong part of the equation. Maybe this is the area where the advanced stats just can't pick it up. And maybe, just maybe, 
There's been too much trauma going on in Carl Anthony Towns' personal life for us to even have an intelligent conversation about it. I hope whatever the case may be, Carl Anthony Towns finds his way and he does start to find winning as a professional athlete because he's just too good of a player. There are a lot of players who will be playing in the postseason in a matter of weeks. Players who aren't anywhere close to being the player that Cat is. And I want to see Cat more because I think he's great. And again, I'd love, love it if he plays for New York. But there's just way too many questions. And I hope before we start picking and prodding at him, the player, whatever may be affecting him or impacting him, if it is emotionally, gets addressed first. Because ultimately, that should be the priority. Timberwolves fans, let me know what you guys think. I know we got a lot of listeners in the St. Paul area, man. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. What do you feel on Carl Anthony Towns, right? Did y'all also, like me, feel a bit sad, feel sorry for him when you watched him play Miami on Friday night? Because Lord knows I felt really, really bad watching that. And this was before we saw him have his emotional, um, you know, understanding, under, easily understandable emotional breakdown on Mother's Day. But I, I want to hear from you guys. What do you feel is holding Carl Anthony Towns back, if anything? Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, guys, three quarters are in the books, which means we have one quarter left and we're staying on the hardwood as the conversation regarding the greatest point guards of all time is heating up because of the impressive play of one point guard in our nation's capital. It's our fourth and final topic this week. Fourth quarter. Very rarely in today's era of constant sports, constant sports talk, do we ever see someone come along in whatever sport and they're completely unique, right? Originality doesn't come along that much and this is not a knock it's cool to find inspiration in those you look up to those who have done phenomenal work before you i remember my father wasn't necessarily always the biggest michael jordan fan because he grew up in philly and he was like man he's stealing some of dr j's game and maybe with the dunks and kind of how you fly but Dr. J was not the, the shooter, the scorer, the, the player that Michael Jordan was. But there were similarities. Fast forward a few decades, then Kobe. A lot of you all, God bless the dead, love Kobe Bryant's game. And he was one of the more fun players to watch in his time. And he was a carbon copy of Michael Jordan. And, like, that makes sense. He's the guy who's the greatest ever. Why wouldn't you want to be like Mike? Like, a generation of children were raised on be like Mike. We know LeBron is like a, a merger of Magic and, and Michael. <clears throat> People always are ready to make comparisons. Patrick Mahomes comes in, and his first year as a starter, you're hearing Dan Marino and Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady has been compared to Joe Montana his entire career. Comparisons always happen in every facet of life, but specifically in sports. Because so much of what we do as a sports culture has been reduced to silly comparisons as opposed to just appreciating. So when I see someone come along 
who has no other compare like anything close when you see russell westbrook it is unlike anything else good and bad and make no mistake i, I think i've been fairly clear and fairly consistent with this while i enjoy russell westbrook the player i can only imagine how frustrating it is when he is the among the best players on your team because he only has one gear it's all full-fledged high throttle intensity everything you play like it's your last and sometimes you need to throw the off change right the off speed pitch the change up sometimes you need to go off tackle Sometimes you need to hand it off. Every play can't be 60 yards down the field for a touchdown pass. Every play can't be that. Every every punch cannot be a haymaker. You have to set it up. You can't dunk on every single play. You need to change. You need to keep people off guard. You need to keep people guessing. You need to keep people... You need to keep the air of unpredictability. And Russell Westbrook definitely has that. But even in his unpredictability, it's so high intensity. There's never letting up. And he is so fascinating. Because he's so phenomenal, yet still so flawed. I watched the Wizards more than any team with obviously one exception this year. And I got to tell you, it's not a coincidence that as Russell Westbrook plays, the team follows suit. The, Russell Westbrook was awful this year. At the beginning of the year, he was awful. People were killing the trade. Before the season started, like once the trade happened, I was like, okay, this is the smart move for the Wizards. This is going... In the short term, well, actually, not only in the short term, but just in general, you're not going to be able to move John Wall's contract. You're probably not going to be able to move Russell Westbrook's contract. So the team went, they basically made their bed. We are trying to keep Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill's our franchise guy. We want to keep him happy. I think there's a discussion about like how far you can go with Bradley Beal being your franchise player, but Bradley Beal's played well this year. He's one of the best offensive players in this league. I'm not, this is not a knock on him. And if you want, and I, and I believe the Wizards goals for this season were quite clear. There wasn't any type of hidden agenda, no cryptic messages. I think from top down, the goal for this season for the Washington Wizards were to be competitive to win games and make the playoffs and to keep Bradley Bill happy while increasing their national profile and probably international profile. Not in that order. And this season, the Washington Wizards with Russell Westbrook checked all those boxes. You have heard Washington Wizards discussions and talking points on national television more than you have and God knows how long. The Wizards have been one of the best teams in the league for the last month. They are squarely, not just even in the play-in. They are like a game out, game and a half out, I believe, at the time of this recording, 
of the eight seed. And yeah, you can make fun if you want, but damn it, like this is what it is. These are the rules of engagement. The Wizards are almost there. And by all intents and purposes, Bradley Bill is very happy. This was the year that I suspected Bill would make a lot of complaints and go to the media and raise hell and complain and pout. And while he does a lot of complaining and pouting on the court to the referees, he is all in. And I tip my cat off the cap to him because even when things were bad, even before they were able to turn the corner, Bradley Bill was completely invested in this team. And yeah, the Wizards bent over backwards to keep him happy. That doesn't always guarantee that the player will be. And that speaks volumes. If you are a Washington Wizards fan, you've got to love Bradley Bill. I think we could have a different conversation regarding on his actual ceiling and, and all these other things. But just from a standpoint of appreciation... He seemingly has, I don't even think seemingly, to say seemingly is fair. He's bought in. And now you all are reaping the rewards. Look, we can have the full, you know, the the full kind of conversation on, like, again, how high is this team ceiling? How far can this team go? Big picture. We can have these macro conversations. And I think there is a time and a place for that. But given the circumstances, given the cap the, the cap hell that they were in, given the, the poor decisions they've made, and I've told you guys from, from jump, I thought signing Davis Bertans to that contract, even though it wasn't an awful contract by dollars and cents terms, the Wizards should not have paid him that money because they could have used Davis Bertans as a way, as a means to fill out other holes in the roster. But whatever. Gafford, acquiring him, hell of a move. Raul Neto, hell of a move. They, like, made smart moves around the edges, and, yeah, that's all they can really operate under, and that's why they can't necessarily contend for a championship, given the fact that they have a player who they think the world of. But it's not lost on me that the moment Russell Westbrook figured it out this season, that's when they started playing. And I also believe that Daniel Gafford's acquisition was also a huge move but look, Daniel Gafford ain't winning all these games and now that Russell Westbrook has passed Oscar Robinson like just say that part of the sentence that's not even like Russell Westbrook has more career triple doubles than Oscar Robinson that sentence in and of itself is amazing to say I don't care how you feel about Triple doubles, I think over time they've been a bit overrated, but damn it, it's still an impressive feat. And that in the middle of his career, he basically just said, fuck it, this is what I'm going to do. And he's done it consistently. It is amazing. He was playing with a torn quadricep. Shouldn't have been playing. Lord only knows how much damage that that injury and that and him playing, not only just playing, but him playing the style of pace that he plays. Lord only knows how that cuts off some of the the future play, high, uh, you know, high productive play that he has in his future. But once he got right, my goodness, 
it's been a tour de force. And all the things that people were complaining about, all these stats or empty stats, well, you can't say that for the second half of the season. Because Russell Westbrook, along with Bradley Bill and Daniel Gafford, have been the catalyst for the Washington Wizards. And if you watch this team earlier in the year, they had to go through so much. The COVID, the injuries, starting center goes down. There was already a lack of talent for this team. And Davis Bertine's not ready. All of these things happened to this ball club. And they've been able to persevere and hang tough and stick with it. And now they're one of the hotter teams in the league. And if you're a Wizards fan, sure, there are questions about long-term success, long-term sustainability. But right now, you take what you've been seeing over the last month over anything that you've seen and God knows how long. They play a fun style. They play an intense style. And you have two of the more fun players to watch. Y yeah, you're not going to win a championship. Yeah, there's some hard decisions that you may have to make if you do want to best position yourself for a potential championship run 10 years later. But for right now, enjoy the ride and enjoy the captain of the ship. This guy is doing things that we have never seen. Who cares if the stats are inflated? They're winning now. It's hard to say these stats are empty when you've played the way they have played over the last month plus. I think things have become a bit interesting. I'm having a conversation with my homeboys, and one of them asked, where do you rank Russell Westbrook all time when it comes to point guards? And this is a time when people can become prisoner of the moment. I think it's fair to say that Russell Westbrook is a top 10 point guard, but he's closer to 10 than he is to five. And while Russell Westbrook's uniqueness and fierceness is something to behold, something to become all, to be all struck over, I don't know if that is enough to overcome his shortcomings. And yeah, they are plentiful. This is not a knock on Russell Westbrook. It's not a knock on Russell Westbrook to say that Steph Curry is a better player. I think we all would understand that. It's not a knock on Russell Westbrook to say that Magic Johnson is a better player. Or John Stockton is a better player. Jason Kidd, Steve Nash are better players. Isaiah Thomas. like None of that, I don't believe those are knocks. But instead of trying to compare and in trying to rank Let's just sit back and watch a player who was left for dead just months ago. The beginning of the year. He's washed. He's done. Bama's were telling you that John Wall was better than Russell Westbrook this season. Hell, I was one of the people who said there was no winner in the John Wall-Russell Westbrook trade. It were both losers. I made that mistake. I own it. Instead of comparing, instead of trying to rank, let's sit back and do something that you can't really do that much when it comes to sports in our society in recent history. Sit back in awe and watch someone who does it completely their way. There isn't another comparison. 
There isn't a next. He's not the next line in a long list of players. No, this is Russ, 100%. Flaws and all. But damn it, if he ain't fun to watch. And damn it, if he hasn't brought a certain level of respectability, notoriety, and fun to the Washington Wizards franchise. Wiz fans, man, I want to hear what you guys have to think. Even the Bamas who hated Russ, you may still hate the trade. It's okay. I want to hear honest opinions, honest conversations about the man who has broken Oscar Robinson's all-time triple-double record. It's still amazing to say. And I never got to watch Oscar play. So imagine the folks who did. Russell Westbrook is an amazing basketball player, an amazing talent, and man, it's just been a fun ride to see him kind of change and change the trajectory of this team over the past month and a half to two months. But Wiz fans, NBA fans, I want to hear your thoughts on Russell Westbrook or whatever else you have to talk about. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. Again, I want to thank each and every one of you all for rocking with me this week. Hopefully you all had an amazing Mother's Day. Hopefully you have an amazing week. And I will see you guys back here next week for another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. Y'all stay safe, wash your hands, social distance, and clean your ass. And I'll see y'all back next Tuesday. Peace.